Welcome to Passion Life Church. I hear a good amen. That the Christ means that it is God's anointing, his anointing that is that Jesus had on him. So, yes, Peter was a pivotal part of the church, but that's not the rock that he was talking about. He's talking about revelation that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 19, and I will give you, this is so powerful, the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This actually could be a whole series, my church family, because here's what he's saying about the church. The church has the keys to the kingdom. If I were to give you my keys to the truck, you would have access to my truck and everything in it. Why? Because keys unlock things. And so what God says is that my church has the power to unlock heaven on earth. Man, I love how the Passion Translation says this. It says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Or it says this, I will give you the keys of heaven's realm. Watch this. To forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that was which is released in heaven. I want them to keep that up there for a minute. It says to forbid on earth, which is forbidden in heaven. Can I ask you a question? Is there sickness in heaven? Is there sin in heaven? No. And so he's saying you on on the earth as the church, you have the power to unlock and forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven. Man, that is really, really powerful. And so Jesus says, you have the authority. You have the keys. And so Jesus says, I am building my church. Now, I have decided I am going to build whatever Jesus is building. If Jesus is on that construction site, that's the construction site I want to be on. And here's the truth. Here's what Jesus thinks about the church. Because everybody that I talk to has different opinions about what the church is, different ideologies, different philosophies. And when I hear people talk about the church, I'm like, I don't think you have the same idea of what the church is that Jesus does. Because Jesus actually thinks that the church is so valuable that he died for it. He died for the church. He died for the church. And not only that, Jesus says, I want to be investing in the church and I actually want to be building the church. So I believe it's so important to remind ourselves how important the church is because for some Christians, church is an afterthought. And when I talk with these people, it's because they really don't understand what church is supposed to be. They think it's just showing up to a building. They think that, you know, oh, it's just a, a place. And yet Jesus says, you know what? I am going to build my my church. And watch this. The church is such a vital part of God's plan that it's actually supposed to be a part of his plan on earth for us. I put here in my notes, Jesus says the church has the power to stop the gates of hell from advancing on earth. I want to say that again. Us as the church have the power and the, the authority to stop the gates of hell from advancing on the earth. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, it's really been dark lately. Man, I feel like a lot of things, I mean, it feels like evil is present. I get it. But you know what? We as the church have the power to prevail over the gates of hell and have power to prevail over that darkness. If you believe it, say yes. So the church is supposed to be a stopping force against darkness, right? And so here for us as the church, are you ready? We are supposed to be the ones that is releasing heaven on earth. 
What we release, right? The Bible says we can release on earth heaven. And heaven is supposed to push back the gates of hell, right? But listen, for us to be pushing back the gates of hell, my church family, we can't be hiding from hell. We can't be afraid of hell. There's so many people that are still hiding out, right? People call it the COVID virus. I call it the fear virus. Still in fear. And can I just tell you, as long as COVID goes, because it'll go and it'll fade out. But I want to tell you, there is a fear virus that will remain. And the fear virus is going to get you to hide. And yet the Bible says we as the church are supposed to bring heaven to the earth to push back the gates of hell. Can I hear a good amen today? And so wherever the church is, hell cannot prevail. Wherever the church is. But here's the, the, the challenge. We don't know who we are. We don't understand what church is all about. Church has become a spectator sport where people come and they put their cheeks in the seats. I'm talking about these cheeks in the seats. It's become a spectator sport. And we need to know who we are because my church family, if we don't know who we are, we won't know what we can do. And yet we are the remnant, we are the salt, and we are the light. And we are to be that and push hell back in our homes, in our neighborhood, in our community. Come on, in this state. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. So if we're going to build what Jesus is building, his church, then we need to know that the way God sees it. How does Jesus see it? How is it described in the Bible? And so that's what I want to do today. If we're going to build God's house, I want you to see how it's described. There's metaphors in the Bible about the church. And then I want to give us five ways that we can build the church. But here's number one. If we're going to see the church, how God sees it, we need to understand that we are God's building. We are God's building. We've been talking about this, about building. First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine, it says, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's building. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, you are God's building. First Corinthians six nineteen says, do you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So watch this, my church family. The church is a people, not a place. The church, we are the church. I want you to say that loud. Say, we are the church. We are the church. Now, the church is not a facility. It's not a building. That's just the temple part. That's just the physical part. That's the place where we meet, right? So since the church is a people, not a place, wherever God's people go, that's the place where the church is at. That's the place where the church is at. And I think when we think about church, that's what people think of. They think of a building. And yet the Greek word for church actually means the called out ones. The called out ones. Anybody grateful that you have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light? Come on, let me see your hand if he's called you out, right? And that's what the church is. The church is the called out ones. And so that's the purpose of us is to live a called out life in our world. Now, as God's people, as the church, we are told to gather together, right? And that's important because I hear people say, are you going to church? And I understand what they're saying. Ladies and gentlemen, are we going to church? We are the church. We are the church. So I wonder how the church is doing in Marietta. I wonder how, how it's doing. Is the church boring? Is the church standing up and being what it's called to be? Is the church pushing back the darkness, right? And now, although we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about us gathering together. 
right? And I think people get so weird about this. I talk to people, and actually I, had, I talked to a pastor about this, and I was a little concerned because as a pastor, he should know better. But he was saying, you know, I we are the church, and the truth is, is that we don't need a building. You know, Jesus never had a building. You know, Jesus, when he spoke to people, you know, he was on uh, the hills, and he didn't have a building. And I said, I stopped him. I said, yeah. I said, dude, do you drive a car? And he's like, yeah. I was like, Jesus never drove a car. So sell your car. Actually, Jesus rode a donkey. And one translation says ass. Jesus rode on an ass. All right, so listen, sell your car and get on your ass, right? If you want to be like Jesus. Commute to San Diego on your ass. That's it. That's in the Bible. It's, it's a donkey. And he just kind of looked at me. I said, so let's stop being stupid. Jesus didn't drive a car. Actually, and Jesus died at the age of 33. So if you, if you live past 33, and, and he just kind of looked at me and I said, listen, Jesus went to the temple though. Yes, he taught on the hill, but you know what? The Bible actually says that Jesus went to the temple. He went to the temple. And the truth is, if Jesus went to the temple for a gathering place, my church family, guess what? We need to go to the temple. You look at the early apostles, the early apostles, Luke chapter 24, verse 53. It says, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. In other words, the temple was the meeting place. It was the place that they liked to come and they liked to gather. Watch this. Acts chapter two, verse 46, the early apostles. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So I I have people that tell me, well, you know, we are the church, so we just do home church. We just stay. Listen, I love home church. That's why we do life groups. And as things open up a little bit more, we're going to start opening up houses and we're going to have uh, some more in-person gathering. But the Bible says that they went to the temple and they met house to house. And the Bible says that the early church, listen, my church family, they were at church daily. I wonder why they had so much impact. Because they gathered together. These people turned the world upside down. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm a little concerned when people are like, well, I just come, you know, once a month. I come twice a month. Where, where do you get that from? You know, these early apostles, if they did this, I need it. I need to, I need to gather together. You need to gather together. Can I hear a good amen? It was important for them, even though they were the church, to gather together because we are better together. We're better together. We can do more together. You know, the Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Now, let me just tell you this. I think what's important, it's not about just us gathering together. It's about us gathering together for a cause, assembling together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this, not forsaking the assembling. Everybody say assembling. Come on, say it loud. Say assembling. Come on, write it in the chat if you're, if you're watching. Assembling. It says, watch this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more that because the day is approaching. So, he talks about not just gathering together, but assembling together. Let me give you an example. If I was building a 1967 Ford Mustang GT Fastback, I was rebuilding it, and I had all the parts in my garage. All my parts are there. All the parts are there, right? But here's the truth. They can all be together, and all the parts can be together. But if they are not assembled together, that car will never fulfill its purpose. 
because when they are assembled is when I get the engine and I put the engine where it needs to go and assemble the engine and connect that to the car. And then when I get the tires and put the tires on the car, put the windshield where it's supposed to go, put the steering wheel where it's supposed to go, and I assemble it, when it comes together, it will fulfill its purpose. So for you and I, my church family, it's not just about gathering together to say, hey, what's what's going on? It's actually assembling together for a certain cause. And does anybody know what that cause is? It's the cause of Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen? Uh, The cause of lifting him up. Jesus says that when we lift him up, he will draw all people to himself. Can you imagine as we come together? And that's what we do. We come together under the cause of Jesus Christ. Why? So he will draw people to himself. Are you learning something today? So we are the church. We are the church together. So when you go to work and you're walking down the hall, you are the church. We are going together. We are moving and we are assembling for a purpose. Can I tell you what another purpose is that is for? Is for us to win our community to Jesus Christ. For us to witness, to us to, for us to reach out to people, to touch people. Can I hear a good amen? So not only are we the church, not just a building, we are the church. But here's another thing. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. Number two, we're the body of Christ. The church is called his body. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head of the body. And what an honor that he calls us the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. I love it in the Amplified. It says, from him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts joined and knitted firmly together. There it is, assembled together by what every joint supplies. Everybody say that with me. Say every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. When each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature building itself up in unselfish love. So here he says, you and I are the body of Christ and Jesus is the head. And it's so important that we understand that we are built on this rock and that he is the head, that our churches stay Christ-centered because he is the head. But I love this analogy and this example because here's what he's saying. Every part of your body, your physical body, has a function or God wouldn't have put it on your body. So everything from your little toe to your pinky, to your ear, to your nose, every single thing in your body, every part of your body has a function. And here's what Paul is saying. For church to be effective, guess what has to happen? Not only does Christ have to be the head, but we have to function together like a body, a moving body. First Corinthians 12, 18. But in fact, God has placed the members in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them. So watch this. God placed you in the body with your DNA, your gifts, your talents. He did that and he placed you in the body. Now, I actually believe God places us in the churches that he wants us to be. I saw a friend uh, online. He was talking about, hey, he said, I'm looking for a church. And then he gave a list of all of these things that he wanted in a church. And I, I just wanted to comment. You would be so happy and so proud of me that I didn't because I didn't want to start a Facebook fight. I'm not into Facebook fights. But here's what I said, because I know this scripture. God places people where they need to go. 
And I said, why don't you just pray? Why don't you just ask God? Ask God where he wants you to be instead of giving God this list of what church you want to be in. If we would really be the, in, if we would really read the scripture, which showed me because he's not in church, he's not understanding this, that God places you where he wants you. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, I, I, the thing about this church that we're looking at is I love this program. I love the worship. We went to this other church and they didn't have a program that I like. I get it. But can I ask you a question? What if God wants you in that church so you can start the program? And so like the Bible says, every joint supplies. Maybe it's not just this consumer mentality of it's what do they have for me? But maybe God has something for you to give and start a program, a ministry in that church. And if you will do, the Bible says there's growth and there's maturity in your life. Can I hear a good amen today? And maybe God is calling you to fulfill your function in that local body. Now, he talks about we're the body of Christ. Yeah, that's global. But there's also smaller bodies, right? There's the body of Passion Life Church. And so what happens, he says, when you get connected, you'll begin to grow. Now, I'm just going to say it. If you're not connected to a church, you're not going to grow. Well, I thought, Pastor Phil, we are the church. You know, I do it at home. That's fine. But you need to be connected to a body, a local body. My church family If one of my parts of my body is cut off, it dies. It dies. So here's what he's saying. Well, you know, Phil, it's just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. No, it's not. It's not just you and Jesus. It's just not a neck and a head floating around. That's not what it is. It's you, Jesus. You need to be connected to Jesus, who is the head, but you also need to be connected to his body. My church family, if I were to cut off my pinky, not only would it die, but listen, it would never fulfill its purpose. It would never fulfill its purpose. A disconnected body part will never fulfill its purpose, right? So this is why we have to come together. And what happens is when one of your part, part of your body hurts, right? Everything hurts. That's why you need to be connected. You know, I was talking to a lady one time that she started to get disconnected you know, and she got mad at us. And I I love this philosophy. So she got mad at us because we weren't reaching out to her, you know, and to to me, honestly, how am I supposed to know when you want me to reach out to you? I'm going to bug you every day. I'm going to, you know, so what I do here at church, if I see you, I'll talk to you. Hey, how are you doing? And, uh, and I just had mentioned to her, I said, you know, last time I talked to your husband, he said, you guys were doing great, all these things. But I just said, you know, what's interesting to me. I said, you obviously had a lot of things on your heart. And I said, what's really unfortunate, and it remains the same today. I said, we have an incredible prayer team at our church. Do you know that if you would have put us these needs, and it turned out they were going through a real hard time, but because the husband told me that, hey, everything's great. We're doing good, right? So I'm not going to go, really? Are you really doing good? Are you lying to me? Come on. But you know what? If you'll acknowledge your need, Jesus said, right? You ask. And then she started getting upset because we weren't connecting. And I said, hold on. You know, if you would have just let us know that you had all this stuff, we have an incredible prayer team that are seeing miracles, right? If you are connected to the body, look, when you hurt, we hurt too. And we will bear each other's burdens. Come on, somebody. And we will help you. My son and my wife laugh at me all the time. And I don't know what it is. I guess maybe ever since I turned... 50, maybe 49, but I've been stubbing my little toe on both feet a lot, like at night. And instead of them praying for me, they're laughing at me. And I mean, it's like a bam, ah, 
wow, like, I mean, like a, a pain, like it, it turns, it turns out like one of them's actually even black and blue. And, uh, and they're just like, why do you keep doing, I was like, I don't know, but here's the reality. When I hit my little toe on the edge of the bed for some reason, you know what? I don't go like, okay, it's just my little toe. And I just walk away. I have to sit down and sometimes I, 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 I'm bearing my, my sins here and my weaknesses, but sometimes tears come to my eye. It's my freaking little toe. But you know what? Here's the reality. When my little toe hurts, my whole body can't move. And I'm sitting on the bed going, ah, and they're like, dad, you did it again. Shut up. And my wife will know, she'll touch it like, ah, I'm like a little kid. Like, yeah, stop it. It's my little toe. But this is what Paul is talking about, about your body, is that when we're connected, we can do more. But also, you know what? When you hurt, we hurt. And you know what's is a good thing? That when you're hurting, to have somebody there to know that you're not alone, that you're going, you're not going. Listen, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause for that. Because here's the reality, my church family. The reality is, is you weren't meant to be alone. You weren't meant to be isolated. That's why the lion is always looking for that little zebra, right? That gets away from the pack because they're weaker. But when you're in the pack, you're stronger. And there's people that when you're going down or, or you feel like, man, life is really hitting, that people can pick you up. But how are we going to, the Bible says a one fall, if he doesn't have somebody, who's going to know that you're hurting? There are advantages and blessings to be connected to a local body. Can I hear a good amen today? And don't be one of those silent but violent people. Yeah, I'm going through a lot, but I'm going to tell anybody. Well, guess what? Then you're going to go through alone. But that was never God's will. God's will was that all of us would function as a functioning body. And let me just say this. Every, the Bible says, every joint supplies. In other words, yes, you may be the, or feel like you're the little toe, but listen, that little toe has value and the body needs it. Whatever gift that you have in your life, the Bible says that the, the, every joint supplies. You are supposed to come to church, not with a consumer mentality, but a mentality that says, I want my joint to supply. I want to give what God has given me in my gifts and my talents. My church family, when that begins to happen, church growth happens, you begin to grow and the maturity happens in your life. Do you remember Peter, when Peter was in prison, the church came together. And when they came together, because they came together as the body, when they prayed together, Peter was released from prison. It's the power of the church, the power of when we come together. That's why the enemy tries so hard, so hard to divide us. Because he knows the power that we can have, come on somebody, against the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness. Now, not only are we God's building, not only are we his body, but the Bible says, number three, we are the bride of Christ. Man, Jesus used the analogy of marriage. And I'm going to talk about this upcoming. I'm going to talk about building a godly marriage. I'm going to talk about building a godly uh, uh, family. But Jesus uses the analogy of marriage. Actually, Paul does. And it says that Jesus is the groom and the church is his bride. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might, listen to this, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about this when we talk about marriage. But notice, 
I want you to notice how Jesus builds his bride. So if you are part of the church, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you are actually the bride of Christ. And that's why when people start talking about the church, well, the church, this, blah, 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 the church, that, I'm like, oh, you better know something. You're talking about Jesus's wife. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to be as kind as Jesus, because if you talk about my wife that way, I'm going to give you some of the fivefold ministry gift right here. Right? That's just not, that's just not. And we talk about church and I, and I, I listen to people and I'm like, do you understand that you're talking about the bride of Christ? Now, here's the reality. We are imperfect people. The church is imperfect, but Jesus, I love this. He is the groom of grace and he looks at us and he says, this is my bride. This is the imperfect bride that I have, but here's what I'm going to do through my words, through my words. I'm going to build my bride through my words because he's coming back for a bride that was out or blemish, but here's how Jesus builds his bride through his words. So how do you talk to your spouse? Will either build them or deplete them. Can I hear a good amen today? And so what he says, I'm going to build up by using my words. Listen, my church family, can I give you some vision? Just imagine this church. Imagine this church, Passion Life Church, right? That we understand that we are the body of Christ and that every joint supplies. That if you came in here and you didn't come just to receive, but you came to give something. Give what? You gave. You came to encourage somebody, exhort somebody, build somebody up. Listen, watch this. Just imagine this. You walked in the door and Four people during the day while you were at church came up and said something nice to you. Man, your hair looks so good today. Wow, you look so skinny today. What diet are you on? Oh my goodness. Wow, look at you. Wow, uh, thank you. You know, last week when, when I saw you, you said something to me and it really encouraged me. Can you imagine a church that when people came in, we were always building each other up with our words? My church family, that has to be intentional. That needs to start happening at Passion Life Church instead of the get in, get out type of mentality. Get in church. Okay, it's over. I'm out. And you didn't give anything. Your joint did not supply anything. You just were in and out. And can I just tell you that you're not going to be built up that way? Because the Bible says when you build others up, guess what happens to you? You get built up. You get built up. You get built up. So how about today? Imagine today. Today, before you leave, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to somebody that you don't know, and I want you to awkwardly walk up to them, and I want you to build them up with your words. I want you to compliment them. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? What if that, can I tell you, if we have this kind of church, people, there will be a line to get in. If even the people in this room here decide I'm going to be a part of the body, you know what? I'm going to get connected. And you know what I'm going to do? Every time we come in here, I'm going to be intentional about giving something. What? Giving a word, encouraging, going over and say, wow, you look so nice today. Man, you know, I love seeing your family here at church. Man, I'll tell you what, they will be a line at the door. But so often we come with this consumer mentality of just what's in it for me. You know what? When you give, you get. When you give, you receive. When you refresh others, you will be refreshed. And I can't tell you how many times I have come and I feel depleted, but I just start blessing other people. I just start building them up. And guess what? The law of sowing and reaping applies. It always comes back. Somebody will come back and they'll give me a word. And man, that is what is meant to happen when we come together. Can I hear a good amen today? But if I see you as the body of Christ, if I see you, as the bride of Christ, guess what happens? How I value you will change. How I see you 
how I treat you would change. If I see you as the, 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 the bride of Christ, you know what happens? I would respect you a lot more. You know, my wife is my wife, but before she is my wife, she is also a woman of God. She is also a child of God. And she is also the body and she is the bride of Christ. So when her and I talk to each other, I don't just talk to Valerie Valdez, my wife. She's my wife. And some of us, we speak down to people. We don't bless people. And it's because how we see people. And the truth of the matter is, I have to be very careful when we talk to each other because I understand she is a daughter of God. She is a part of the body of Christ. And she is also the bride of Christ. So when we talk and I use my words, I have to know who I'm talking to because I'm talking to a daughter of the most high God. Can I hear a good amen today? But I've also learned from this scripture how we build each other up and that she's great at this. She is great at building me up and using her words. And I don't even know if I could say it in church, what she calls me, but she's like, man, you are a sexy beast. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Hey, hot stuff. I'm like, whoo, you're building me up. Amen. Come on, somebody. And you say, well, Master Phil, you know, my husband's not a hot stuff. Well, the Bible says, speak those things as not as though they were. That's faith. Come on, start building him up. Can I hear a good amen? Well, you never do anything around the house. You never... Yeah, how does that help? We'll talk a little bit when we talk about marriage. The complaining wife, the complaining, nagging wife. We'll talk about it. But what if we used our words like Jesus and we built up our bride? And when I walk in, I don't just see you as, oh, I see you as the bride of Jesus Christ. Man, that is powerful. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, building itself up, we read, in unselfish love. What if we decided from this day forward, every time I come to Passion Life Church, well, Pastor Phil, it's because I don't really know anybody. That's fine. But here's the reality. If you would decide to be a builder and build people up, exhorting one another, I'll tell you what, you'll know a lot of people because people will actually start to flock towards you just to be built up. Just to be built up. What if we started this today at Passion Life Church? And so when you attend you purposely build others up. You say, you know what? I'm a bodybuilder. I'm building God's body. That's what I'm going to do because you're a builder. That's what we're doing. And then you know what? When people understand and we understand of how God sees his church, you know what? We want to build what Jesus is building. And here's what I want to do next week. I'm going to talk about the blessings of building. I'm going to talk about the blessings of building. Then we're going to talk about building a godly marriage and building a godly family. But I want to just give you five quick ways as we close today that we can build God's house. Number one, prayer. I I pray that you would pray for the church globally, but I also pray that you would pray for Passion Life Church, that you would pray for your pastors. Listen, if you are, are here and watching online and maybe, you know, you're in another state and you just kind of watch us, but you're connected to another church. Thanks for watching. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. I talked to two of my friends who are pastoring churches and in this season, they're no longer pastoring, no longer pastoring. And I could tell you about two 
more that are no longer pastoring because of what happened in this last season. And you know what? That hits my heart. And I'm thinking, where is the church? Why are we not praying for our pastors? You know why? Because we come with a consumer mentality. Pastor, feed me, feed me, pastor, 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 raise me from the dead every week. Pastor, I'm tired. You know what? You need to start getting up and you need to start praying, not only for yourself, but praying for our church, praying for the pastor. Come on, somebody, and start believing that God is going to be doing something. Pray for your pastor. This is what Paul prayed for the church there. Colossians chapter one, verse nine. He says, and so from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled. Everybody say filled. You may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you could walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Man, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Fully pleasing him. Watch this. Bearing fruit in every good work. And this is what can happen when the body comes together, that when we assemble, that when you begin to use your gifts and your talents for the kingdom of God, we can bear fruit in every good way and increasing in the knowledge of God. Here's number two, how we can build a church. We need to connect. Everybody look at me. We need to show up. Show up before you blow up. There is no us without you. There's no us without you. In my church family, a heart for God always translates for a heart for his house. Coming together. Coming together. Listen, decide that you are going to be the example of what you want people to see in God's house. Don't just come for you. Come every week to give and encouragement come every week. Listen, we're not the same when you're not here. It's the truth. Here's number three. If we're going to build God's house, we have to serve, serve together, decide that you're going to be that joint that you are placed in God's body and your joint will supply every joint supplies that you have something to give. And I want to encourage you. You do have something to give, whether it's loving on people, greeting, ushering in the worship team, playing guitar, all of those things, man, God has gifted you, but decide that you're going to use your gifts and talents in the house of God. My church family, I am where I am today because I started in the house of God. Somebody asked me, my dad asked me, can you help us with the youth? I was like, yeah, I guess I like playing music. So you know what? I'll just play music. We'll, we'll rock those kids. And then after we rocked them, I had to get up and, and speak. And then I started speaking and people started showing up and the kids started liking it. And you know what? I realized I'm not a rock star. I'm a preacher. <laughs> but my goal honestly was to be a rock star. We had recorded stuff. We had a shout out to the war club. You guys don't know that, but anyway, um, and, uh, we were going to tour the world, all these things. And yet, it's funny, our band would play and I would get up to do the altar call. And then people, instead of inviting our band, they started inviting me to speak. And so how did that happen? Because somebody gave me an opportunity at church. And that's what church does. Church gives you the opportunity to find your gifts, find your 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 um, your spiritual, your gifts that, that God has for you. And I just want to encourage you, tomorrow night we have growth track. And that's the next step. If you have not signed up for growth track, sign up. It's tomorrow night. I think it's at 630 to 730. It's only an hour. And you can text the word grow to 951-382-5757. We'll talk a little bit. And then we're going to talk about your gifts and what God has gifted you. And it's always so amazing. And I'll just say that one more time. Text grow, the word grow, 951 
382-5757. And we'll get you all the things that you need by email. And then you can log on. It's on Zoom. It's real simple. But hear the vision of our church, but also get to know how God has made you. But why do we serve in God's house? Because Jesus serves. My church family, we have a serving Savior. The Bible says he no longer calls us servants, but sons. But can I just tell you, sons serve. This is what Jesus did. And Proverbs 11.25 says that a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Every time I come to church, you know, I was telling my son when we were talking about speaking that a person who gives just a 45 minute, a 45 minute keynote speech, they've done all of these scientific studies, a person that does 45 minute keynote speech is equivalent to emotionally working eight hours a day. Right. And so the truth of the matter is when I get up here for me, I don't feel that I feel great. I feel anointed by God, but you know what? When I go home, I feel more refreshed than I did when I got here. Can I hear a good amen today? And that's the purpose of church. Here's number four. We can build God's house by bringing our tithes and our offerings, giving our resources to God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is sad to me, but statistics say right now that tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. So as many people as we have watching online and coming here at Passion Life Church, about 10 to 25% are holding the financial burden of Passion Life Church. My church family, that's just not Passion Life Church. This is in America. And can I just be real honest with you? Ministry requires money. It requires money to rent this. It requires money for us to have what we have. And I'm so thankful that we have faithful givers, but my church family, I believe it's because we don't understand what the church is supposed to be about. Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In other words, there's resources in the house. So what happens is God blesses us. Why? So we can bless his house. My church family, God gives to his people so his people can supply resources for his house. Can I hear a good amen today? And I just want to encourage you if you're not a part. And now let me just say this. I'm going to say this. Okay. Since I'm talking about it, here's the reality of what happens at church. People look over there and they go, I don't have to give. Well, you don't have to give because I say to give. I'm not actually the one saying God is saying you're supposed to give because he doesn't want your heart to be full of greed. And he doesn't want your heart to be so filled with yourself that you feel you have to do all this. So you put, give him and you honor him. But here's, what's interesting is people are like, I don't have to do it. That person will do it. And guess what? This person over here goes, I don't have to do it. That person will do it. And guess what happens? Everybody thinks that everybody else is doing it. When in actuality, statistics say only about 10% is actually given to the church. Can you imagine what we could do if 100% of Passion Life Church and the church globally would do if we all gave. And listen, now some people are like, well, I can't tithe. Well, give something. Come on, somebody. Give something. Well, it's because, you know, you know, it's because I serve. I know we're supposed to serve and give financially. It's both. It's time, treasure, and talent. Can I hear a good amen today? That's what builds God's house. And here's the last one for today as we close. And if we're going to build God's house, we've got to invite people. We've got to invite people. Do you know word of mouth is the most powerful marketing tool? Today, it's never been easier. I mean, people are coming to our church because I shared this video. And if you're on Facebook, share the video. You know, just share it on your feed. Share it. It's so simple. You know, uh, YouTube, share it. But uh, uh, this is just amazing to me. 
don't underestimate your influence and what God has for you, right? Look, today, Ramir and his family are here. Now, this is, to me, is an amazing story because Ramir and his family came because another family invited them. And so they came. Is that true, guys? Yes, right? And so another family invited them. They decided to get connected. They decided not just to come to church and sit. They decided to, to get connected. So Ramir, you know what he does is he gets here early because not only is he getting connected, but he's serving, right? So Ramir gets here early and he puts out those signs, right? Do you know how many people, and Ramir, you need to hear this. There are people that come to the church now and are part of the church because they tell me, because I always ask, I said, how did you hear about the church? Oh, we were driving by and we seen the sign. I like it. I want to make a sign that says, looking for a sign from God. Here it is. Come on, somebody, right? It's right here. You just saw it. But here's what's so cool about it is that they saw a sign because Ramir and his family decided not only to respond to an invitation, but they decided to get connected. And now he's putting out the signs and people are seeing those signs. And now people are coming to church. Now, let me just also tell you this. Here's what's absolutely amazing about this is that now Ramir is inviting his friends and his neighbors. So they invited Linda and here's Linda, right? And Linda was going through a lot of stuff in her life, but thank God that Ramir's family invited her to church. Can I hear a good amen? And she was at a time where she needed to get connected. And so she came to Passion Life Church because somebody invited her. And she, you're going to hear her testimony. It's so powerful. We're going to videotape it. But here's, here's the point, is that she came to church, she got prayer, and she was looking for a place to live because of, of some circumstances. She had to find housing like quick. But you know what? We prayed and we agreed together. And within what? A matter of days? Two days, God supplied a place for her to live. Can I hear a good amen today? But here's my point. It all started with one family inviting another family who invited another neighbor. And God did a miracle in Linda's life. And God's doing miracles in Ramir's life. And how did it happen? It happened because somebody had the guts to invite a friend to church. My church family, that's how we build God's house. That's how we build God's house. All because one family invited somebody else. Now I'm going to tell you something. See, we can be so consumed with ourselves sometimes that we don't realize that there are other people who are hurting more than we are. But we've got to be a builder. We've got to be a builder. And the Holy Spirit is inside of you and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are God's building. We are his body. We are his bride. And it's time to build God's house. And we can do it because God has placed gifts and talents in your life. God has placed resources in your life. And my church family, I'm going to come back to this. As the church of Jesus Christ, we have the power when we come together to push back hell so hell will not prevail. And Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
And if we will come together and build the church that God wants us to build, that Jesus is building, where we go, hell will not prevail. Hell cannot prevail in Marietta because the church of Jesus Christ is here. And we are here and we know who we are and we know what we're called to do. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause. Would you stand with me? Did you learn something today? So the church is not just a place. We need a place. We need a place to gather. That's the church building. And we'll talk to you about that another time. But David said the house of God, the actual church building should be magnificent. David said, because of what it represents. But I'm excited about what God can do. Not just for us, but through us and in us. That's why we're here. That's why you're still in Marietta. It's to be part of a dynamic, powerful, anointed church. Come on, somebody. And we're going to push back the darkness. We're not going to hide from hell. We're actually going to stand on the revelation that Jesus is Christ and build what Jesus is building. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Father, what an honor that you've called us for such a time as this. We want to be on the construction site that you're on and you're building church. You're building your house. You're building your body. You're building your bride. You're building people to come together. And we just declare that as Passion Life Church is here in Marietta, hell will not prevail in Jesus' name. That we are here to push back the darkness, not to, not to come together as some clique or some club. But we are at a place that we are coming together under the cause of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And Lord, we're honored that you chose us. Would you just put your hand over your heart for just a moment? Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Father, I thank you that when we come together, nothing can stop us. Lord, I pray that we would not allow anything to divide us. Lord, and I stir up the gifts today for everybody that's watching. And everybody here in this in-person room, stir up the gifts that you have placed to build your house, to build your kingdom, to push back the darkness in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. Lord, we pray that you would use us like never before. Use us to help hurting people. Use us and speak words through us to encourage people. Lord, build your house and build it through us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.